0: Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Welcome, everyone, to the Movement Made Better podcast. Uh, Today's episode, we are super excited for our guest here. We've been really amped uh, to have Chip Morton with us. And Mm -hmm. uh, Chip, if you don't know who Chip is, I'll just introduce, I'll let Chip introduce himself and Give you listeners out there in podcast land a uh, little background on himself.
1: Well, I guess I'll start with uh, I'm a husband and father of seven. Um, so everybody, you know, out there with their families right now, um, believe me, we have we have uh, there are three, four out of the house right now. But. Uh, that the family part. I starting with that tonight because that family part right now really is at the forefront of everybody's mind. Um, so I guess, uh, this will be fun to do this talk and talk about, you know, movement and my professional career, but I guess starting with, with who we are as, as, as men and women, as people, which will, that's going to go through our whole, you know, our conversations, that's, that's going to go, that's going to be knit and thread throughout our entire talk. But, um, that said, I've been coaching, my professional life, I've been coaching for over 30 years. And um, started, uh, I'll start with the coaching part, uh, as a grad assistant in Ohio State. And at the same time, I was a strength coach for Franklin Heights High School on the west side of Columbus. So while I was doing my graduate work, my first, my first coaching experience where I was being compensated for it with a master's degree and, and, and a stipend was with the Ohio State football program in 1985, but also at Franklin Heights High School. So I was, I was learning, I was in the process of learning and doing at the same time. Um, from there, uh, I got my master's at Ohio State and then was hired at Penn State with, with uh, men's football, with varsity football and uh, half of the other varsity sports for many women, so 14 other sports. I uh, was there for four and a half years, and then gotten to the NFL in 92 with the San Diego Chargers and uh, have spent my, the rest of my professional career in the NFL, so past 26 years um, with the Chargers. And then um, I was the first strength coach for the Carolina Panthers when we, when they started the team in 95, which is going to date me. <laughs> but uh, then went to uh, – was with Baltimore uh, on, on their first Super Bowl run with that great team, and hopefully we'll get to some of those stories. Uh, and then Washington for a year, and then, and then Cincinnati Bengals for the for the last 16 years. So currently I'm between jobs, so um, I'm, I'm home, and, and now with this – with what's going on in the world, I'm home, home, home. Uh, <laughs> but you know so in a nutshell over 30 years of coaching experience with men and women high school athletes um el- elderly when i was in grad school i you know i worked in a fitness club the you know the old uh racquetball Nautilus yeah. club <laughs> yeah. and uh, trained um you know some some 70 year old clients and so i guess i have a, a breadth of of um experience um with all populations so That's it in a nutshell.
0: Very nice. And you grew up in Connecticut. I did. New Haven. The main
1: streets of New New Haven. Haven. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, actually Hamden, if you want to get really technical, but people recognize Hamden. Um, I grew up on the edge of uh, the the New Haven edge of Hamden near the highwood section. So uh, more of an urban um, melting pot upbringing, Um, you know, 10 minutes from Yale university, So uh, you know, uh, grew up in it with with city life uh, as opposed to more of a with a little suburban feel. So yeah, did you
2: play a lot of sports growing up?
1: I did, I did. You know, all the you know back then in our town in Hamden, um, you'll like this. Dennis, ice hockey uh, in the Northeast is huge. Uh, It's interesting because back there when I was growing up and still, all high schools had their own hockey rink. So oh, like oh, the, no public, the, pu- the public schools all had their own rinks and that was the major and we had ours and, and it benefited the town. So in our town at a young age, you know, the, I'm not sure if it's mites or midgets, whatever the name is uh, now, but they, we started really, really young. Um, and there was a love in my town, but unfortunately I was from a, you know, we're middle-class background um, and it's really expensive. It's an expensive yes. sport, even back then. Oh, yeah. And so um, my folks, you know, I had well. well, I know you want to play because your butt- yeah, everybody played in Hamden, but it was one of those economical economic decisions. So uh, I took swimming lessons instead. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. 'Cause> swimming, <laughs> we, and the other thing is high schools had their own pools too. So it's amazing. Ah, in the, infra- in the infrastructure in, in, in the state of Connecticut, they had a really good educational system. Um, I'm sure they still do, but, you know, a pool and a hockey rink, um, which also served in the community. So I took lessons and I was, I had some aptitude and I kept doing it and I swam through high school and um, in addition to playing the other sports, baseball and, and, and football and, and, and junior high school and one year of basketball, you, you, you played the sports as they came in season. Right. Uh, you yeah. know, my folks signed me up and my buddies played. And so you know, I wasn't great in any of them. I guess swimming was the one that I was uh, the most adept at and continued in high school. And then, um, walked on uh, to North Carolina as a swimmer. Ooh. Yeah,
0: well, oh, right
1: you on. can say, ooh, to that. I was a division, I, I tell people I was a division three swimmer that, who walked on to, into a division one program. So um, I met a lot of great people and a lot of you know, superior athletes. Um, you, know, you know, the last dance series on ESPN, I was a freshman the same year. Michael Jordan was a freshman. Oh. Um, didn't know him, but that was the timeline. Yeah. But I was around great people and uh really that's where that was the impetus. That's where I discovered my profession. You know, I, I walk on at, at Carolina and they have a strength training program. because um, before that I was always on my own. You know, I did it on my own. I, I enjoyed it and that's a whole nother we'll do that podcast sometime. But uh did it on my own up to that point. But I go to Carolina, here I am, and I'm in, they have me in a program. And at the time it was traditional, you know, squat, bench, power clean, and some auxiliary stuff. That was what we were doing in the, in the early 80s. And, uh, but here, my strength coach, we had some GAs, one name, named Harley Dart. And then Chip Sigmund was another one who later uh, worked in the NBA for a lot of years. He was a master's student and also Mike Gentry who's probably in the Strength Fishing Hall of Fame somewhere. He was at Virginia Tech for all those years, Dr. Mike Gentry. He was also a GA. So I had some great men around me. Um, and I hear him thinking, wow, this is a, these guys get to hang out in the weight room, which I love. <laughs> I love lifting weights. <laughs> and they get to wear sweats to work every day and listen to music. You know, this is a, this is a job. I mean, at the time, I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. How do, I, how do I do this? Um, so I spent a lot of time with those guys and around those guys. And, uh, actually I was, I was better in training than I was in competing. Um, and that was, that was, that became apparent really early. And, uh, the head swim coach at the time, Frank Comfort, after my freshman year, he, he basically took me aside he said, Chip, we love you. Um, we want you to, you know, we love you, but you can't swim anymore. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, We want you to
2: train us now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, we, want, we want you to, we, we think you can, you know, you can help. We want you around the program, maybe in coaching of some sort. And, um, so I, I needed Coach Comfort to put me out of my misery, so to speak. Um, and it was, it was time, but I got into the coaching side and just spent time in the weight room and just soaked all that in. And, uh kind of get on my journey of, you know, how do I pursue this? How does one become a strength coach? Because in the early eighties, that was, you know, that was, they didn't have programs, you know, exercise physiology as it was called at the time was, was relatively new and not Mm -hmm. all, you know, not all programs, not all schools had degree programs in that. I remember, you know, looking at grad schools and just trying to find where am I going to go to study this stuff? Uh, Most of it was in, you know, cardiovascular fitness and, 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 You know, cardiac training, that was the exercise, carbohydrate metabolism was all, it was mostly centered on that. Very little on strength training strength development. And um, one of my buddies who I swam with, Randy Heyer, uh, he lived in Ohio and he's like, hey, why don't you come home with me and we'll visit Ohio State and see if they, I'm sure they have something. You know, let's go look there. So he lived in Columbus and I went went home with him and um, literally, literally knocked on doors. Um, and for yeah. you, the young coaches the the want to, you know, the people who want to get in the field, I, I wouldn't recommend doing what I did. I literally, we show up on a Friday and I find out where, where's the grad school, you know, where's the health and human development department. And on a Friday afternoon, I go knock on um, Dr. Charles Mann's door, you know, no appointment. I didn't call ahead. Just I'm here. You know, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, now I know better, but, uh, always call ahead. But, uh and he was very gracious and uh, directed me to Dr. David Lamb in the Exercise Physiology Department uh, over in Larkins Hall at the time. And uh, also very sweet man. Just I walked in there and, and basically I said, "I'm interested." He said, "Well, what do you want to study?" You know, what is what are your what? and I didn't have any sophisticated answer. I, I just said I love, I enjoy the training process. I enjoy training athletes and. My passion is in, you know, strength development, weight training. And um, they didn't really have a a, a specialty in his department, but he said, hey, you ought to go talk to our strength coach, Steve Bliss, with the football program. And he's over across campus. So (laughs) I thanked him for his time and uh, for the direction um, and went and saw Steve Bliss. And and it turns out they had, he had a really, really innovative program. And this is 1984, and he was, Nebraska, he was part of the Nebraska Husker Power. You know, he came out of that oh, program. Yeah. So it was a well-developed program. And to this day, you know, Coach Blisson, we, we, we'll, we'll message each other. And a uh, very, very positive guy. And just explained what the program was. And they had a program where they would go to this Columbus City Schools. And basically, they would say, you know, we'll provide a strength coach for your facility and, and and you, in turn, pay for, for some of their stipends. So the school, uh, Columbus Public Schools paid Ohio State to basically get a strength coach provided by the grad department. So Franklin Heights was the school I was assigned to on the west side. And, uh, you know, two weeks in, I was, when I finished my classes, I take the bus across, you know, across Downs, I didn't have a car at the time, take the bus out to the west side and be there when the school bell when the school day ended and started you know coaching kids and really at the time it's funny because um you know i didn't know i didn't know a whole lot i just knew what i knew and the program mm-hmm. was you know very traditional you know on mondays we squatted you know 10 8 6 you know that 10 8, <laughs> 6, 4 you know wednesday we benched and uh friday we deadlifted then we had some auxiliary stuff it was very you know very very traditional but uh what i what i discovered what i learned what i what i most remember though and it's it it, throughout my career are the people you know the, the people you meet and the experiences you have so you know i just shared the strength coaches i had in college who were really good men and really caring men my swim coach in college who Basically, you know, I, I, was, I was cut from the team, but he was gentle and said, I, I see something. We see more in you. And maybe it's not in competing, which it wasn't. Maybe it's going to be and got me on my path. And then knocking on doors Ohio State and Dr. Mann and Dr. Lamb and, and Steve Bliss, all these people who made an impact on me just because they cared. They took time. Um. Randy hire. Hey, come on home. Let's check out Ohio state. I wouldn't even, I hadn't thought of Ohio state at the time. Mm -hmm. So, and then the high school, I don't know what I'm doing coaching. I don't have never had any coaching classes. I was a biology major. So I was a science major who, who trained and was an athlete, um, and, and read a lot, but, uh, it was the kids. It was boys and girls and, and, and the culture we created, um, in in the winter and in the summertime. I remember going to football games. One of the big things is that the football players they'd invite they wanted me to come to games, you know, on Friday nights. And uh but for me, I didn't have a car. So I'd have to bus out there again. That's a from the Columbus to the west side. It's a it's a couple it's a tran I think there's at least one transfer, wherever I remember. It's it's a it's a ride. But um I remember just being touched that they want, number one, they wanted me there. Like, coach, you got to come to our game. And it was really important. And I remember one of the one of the games, they gave me a jacket to wear, you know, Franklin Heights, you know, Falcons. And it was just those memories were uh, just the connections. And I didn't, I, I, I remember them now and I felt them then. And maybe that's just my DNA and it's knit into me, that connection or empathy, whatever you want to call it now. Uh, but I felt it. Uh, the care and, and the culture. Um, and just those were learning years. I learned a lot. You know, you get plop, plucked down into a high school and the bell rings. And now, and I wanted, I, I wanted all the athletes to be lifting weights. I wanted them all training. And, and I guess previously, it has been a little bit more biased towards the football players. And some of the other sports didn't, you know, right or wrong. I don't know what it was like, but I remember going to the other sports and they were surprised. Like, oh, can our kids can come too? And yeah, and so we have a. I mean, you know, the room room be full, and it was all you know homemade equipment. Um, you know, we were in a we were in a stadium, and if you know, you know the concrete stadiums.
0: Mm-hmm. If you can
1: imagine being underneath, if you have a concrete bleacher stadium. If you stand on the on the stadium side, there are seats, right, that move up in mm-hmm. a staircase fashion. Well, if you're underneath it in the concourse, it's a stair, an inverted staircase coming down on you. Well, they must have they took they, they went in that space and put cinder blocks to close it off. So we had an asphalt bumpy asphalt floor, and our ceiling was the underside of the stadium, you know, oh. uh, that at, at its one end was you know five feet tall. And, you know, homemade benches, you know, dug into the concrete, you know, cemented into the concrete. Um, somebody welded them together and, you know, a, a, step, a step squat rack and, you know, bars and dumbbells. And, and we made it work. We had a lot of fun and um, trained hard. And, and even I remember in those days, you know, if, if an athlete in the summertime with football, if someone, you know, you got, you, got, you worked really hard, maybe got nauseous. Well, if you got sick, the the rule was that was okay, but you had to clean it up. So we had the, so it was almost like you know it, it, it was one of those things where the guys it was almost a badge of courage if I got nauseous and I we get the bucket <laughs> out and, and but to have to clean up like yeah which now you know certainly I don't recommend that but at the time that was a, got kind of a, a, a bonding hey. Here's some rules. This is one of the rules. We were gonna work hard, but if you, if you work too hard, you gotta clean it's up a your mess. Magic of honor there,
2: huh? Yeah. So, hey, did you throw up today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get it. So, oh, it's,
1: right. It's kind right. Of weak, man. <laughs> so you know, I, I learned a lot. That was a, a crucible for learning. And um, those the the youth, the kids there, the boys and the girls, young men and women, um, really were caring and helped me along at a time when I, I really needed it. You know, not knowing what I'm doing, but they, Coach Morton, Mr. Morton, they were thrilled that what I brought was care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And passion. And hopefully, they identified that, and and they in turn pulled me along and encouraged me. So it was a it was a win-win. So after uh, after getting my master's, I was hired at Penn State, and there, you know, you you're at Penn State at the time, and. With Coach Paterno and uh, a very successful program. They won the national title the year before. And uh, that's where I learned you know, uh, how to, what a standard looks like. In other words, in any facility or any team or any organization, is there a standard? And Penn State Times certainly has had a standard of how we were going to carry ourselves. And it was very respectful, um, it was uh, very professional. Um, you know, Coach Paterno was, was, is a legendary man and he was, uh, my interactions with him are limited, but they were, just watching him was impactful. Just being a part of that program, you know, taught me a lot about how to be a professional, how to carry myself, um, just in how I dressed, how I acted, how, just how I carried myself. So many lessons in that um, through those years and worked my tail off. With uh, football and then, a bunch, and then 14 other sports. So I had a variety of athletes there, and again, male and female, and sports, at for, sport applications. And then from there, uh, you know, I did a workshop, and it's about people, right? People are going to keep coming up in this story. Uh, Chet Furman was my boss at Penn State, and he'll come back later. He hired me because I had met him at a workshop. Well, by the end of my Penn State career, now I'm presenting at workshops. And at one of the workshops at the University of Kentucky, um, Ray Oliver was the strength coach at the time, and and we later worked together. He's my he's my basically my, one of my dear dear friends and, and a brother to me. Um, I spoke at his clinic, and John, a fellow named John Dunn, who was the strength coach for the Chargers, also spoke there. And uh, he said, "Hey, if I you know," and he was a Penn State guy. It turns out he was an offensive captain in 1977, so he loved Penn State. And, You know, you're from Penn State. Oh, that's great. Because if I, you know, if I ever have an opportunity, I'm going to hire you. Um, And a year later, his his assistant left to go to the Rams, the L.A. Rams at the time, the first time around. And he called me, said, "Hey, can you be out? Can you be out here in a week?" You know, you got you got to be out here. You got to be out here in a week, or else I'm going to find somebody else. And I I, I drove out with Tom, a friend of mine, Tom Brady. We drove cross country and started my NFL time. So. you know, I don't know how much time you want to spend on all this, but I mean, we probably want to get to other stuff, but just San Diego and, and, and the Panthers and all the other teams, it's, it's the experiences and the people. So my 30 years of coaching, uh, if anything, I've, I've probably, I have simplified the programming part. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I've tried all, t- all kinds of systems and, and I study them, but I've really simplified that what has so the x's and o's have their place and, and I spent years and I still do immersing in those but what has increased is care for people mm. and and how can I and that's, I'm not saying you know studying leadership or studying queuing or uh, insights into how to connect but just a more organic Care and other-centered approach to people, and and listening and, and 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 spending time with people and caring for them. So what what's grown is my, I hope, my ability to relate to 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 not only athletes, clients, you know, friends, people I meet at the, at the at the grocery store. Um, so that's that's you know over thirty years a lot of it says things have slowed down on the X's and O's as far as things are moving slower. I know how to, Mm -hmm. you know, I can coach, I know technique. I, that's, Mm -hmm. that's, but what's, what has increased is being able to see when it's, when that slows down, you know, at at Franklin Heights, I was worried about sets and reps and how to teach and, and I still am, but now it's more you see things that part You know that when you're teaching it, when you know when no material slows down. Now I'm seeing more, more of the landscape, and more, more about people, and that's where the, that's where the difference is made. Um, So people have been a part of my journey, and those relationships and those memories,
0: and it's even more so now. So the uh, so what, what one of the things I'd like you because. We know that probably some people are listening that are younger and probably motivated to get to where you're at. Uh, mm-hmm. They want to hit the collegiate level or high, you yep. know, uh, pro level as coaches. Yeah. What are some things that misconceptions that they may have that maybe because we know how many hours are like we we had a misconception of how much time. Yes. Strength coaches have and and things like that. How hectic schedules can be and yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I I think that if you really have a passion, you know, I had a passion for training. Mm -hmm. Um, I I didn't say I didn't start out with the the idea that I want to be an NFL strength coach. I just I loved the training process. Even as an athlete, I I spent as much time and myself in the training. I enjoyed that more than the competing. Um, and that's been true. And, and and most of what I studied and, and spent time with was the process of training. So there's got to be a, a passion for it and a real love for it. Uh, I didn't have a specific long-term goal. I just, I tend to go, I tend to be moment to moment. I, you know where you want to go. I, yeah, I'd like to make a living doing this, but 1980. 85, I that was not now it's very apparent. But mm. back then it wasn't as apparent. Well, what does this look like? I, I never worried about it. You know, when I when I I spent spend your time meeting people, getting to know people, whether now the term is you know, find a mentor. I, I had some good people that I went to learn from. And back then you went to workshops. Mm -hmm. Um, now we're, you know, we're this time right now with what's going on, we're inundated with webinars, but I I used to go to workshops. I was single at the time and I, I'd drive all over the place just to go to hear people speak. That's how I met Chet Furman from Penn state. I went, whenever he came anywhere in the Midwest area near Ohio, when I was, I, I'd go see him, you know, a gym in Columbus he presented or workshops or a hammer strength clinic. I'd go wherever he was. And by the third or fourth time, he, he said, I'm going to hire you someday. You know, and then when Mother Dunn hired me, I was presenting at a workshop and we, hit, and, and we connected, hey, I'm going to hire you someday if I ever get a chance. So mm-hmm. all of that, that, that professional, that movement comes from, you know, the old term. It's not so much who you know, because that has a negative connotation to it, but it, it is who you, the people you know and the people you meet, but also what they know about you. And what the relationship is, um, so I would say, find for for you know find the people that resonate with you, find the coaches you like with you guys. Stick mobility. Mm-hmm. I I go on the you know the 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 internet. It was what 15? 15, 15, 15, 15.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And hey, this stuffs these guys this is pretty cool stuff. And and what we, we we message each other. Mm-hmm. So I mean. Yep. Just if, find, if you see something that resonates or a topic or, you, or even if you hear a webinar, then maybe try to connect. It, it, you know, the virtual stuff is great, but I think an email or a phone call, hey, hey, can I come visit you? That, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to be in the job market. I know it now. You have to know, people have to know, know about you. And they have to have a real connection to you. I'm finding that now, the people that get hired, it's because they have a real connection with people doing the hiring. Mm -hmm. So, you know, identify, take it all in, um, learn all you can, you know, take every opportunity to learn um, and make it. Now I would say back then I was focused on strength and conditioning stuff. And you probably have to dedicate X amount of time to your passion now I've expanded. I, I want to learn in, in different areas and grow as an as a total person. Yeah. But I identify who who resonates with you. Who whose message makes sense, and then and then dive deeper. for me, to this day, Dan John is a is a is. I'll say he's been a mentor of mine, and he'll say, mm-hmm. "Oh no, no, you, you know, no, Chip, you." you but he really has been because oftentimes for me now, 30 years, 30 plus years in, there's lots of noise, training noise. It's this, it's that, it's this technique, it's this program, it's this X and o. And then I read and I'll get in and I'll, I want to <laughs> learn it all and it becomes a lot and then you don't know where to turn and social media makes it worse because you're, you're, you're bombarded. But then I'll read something by Dan John. It's like, all right, I actually, you know, I exhale like, All right. And he brings me back to just to the basics, the simple. And it sounds simple. Some people, oh, that's just, you know, it's simple, blah, blah, blah. They poo-poo it. Not everybody, but some people poo-poo it. Not yeah. technical. But from where I sit, you know, this many years into it, he is so on point. Because you know mm-hmm. with, when you're dealing with you, human beings. And not everybody has the same passion for the X's and O's. The athletes I trained rarely, there's a few that had the same that had passion for training and learning, but most tell me what to do. Yeah. And you had to find a way to explain it and make them, help them understand and, and, help, and help their buy-in. And so Dan, I think what, I can't speak for him, but what Dan has is years of experience and he's kind of, he's, <laughs> you know, filtered away the fluff, the noise. He's, he's quieted the noise, and he's down to, this works. I've seen this work. And he always says, this is what I've seen work. And for me, it's just, I, you know, I don't use everything that he says, but it's just his voice of reason, that term reasonable. Yeah. Um, so find someone you, that resonates, that you identify with, that you understand, that you think, wow, that, that, that really, I like that. And I, that, that makes sense to me. And then, and, and pursue it and pursue the relationship. Um, That would be the start. And as you meet, as you meet people in this profession, like we, like we met, mm-hmm. it started as, as I saw some of your work, I messaged you, Hey, and then you come to the hotel when we're in San Jose, Hey, let's get a little demo. And then we have, we have, we invite you out. And now mm-hmm. it's, you know, you 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 guys are dear friends. So, but it started with just, wow, I like what they're doing. That's that's a pretty unique idea. Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and then you try it, and it's like this. It it it's this is really valuable stuff. And then you it, it connects with with everything else you've learned. And that's how you. And then you you have it in your in your toolbox. And so you grow relationally with people, professionally, and at the same time you're learning along the way. You know, so you're, you're, you're filling your toolbox uh, mm. of the things you can use. Um, and that will continue to grow and morph and all that. I mean, all the systems, it's good to learn a lot of stuff, but um, eventually you have to put something down on paper and put it and put it in play. You know what I mean? So, yes. um, so, and in, in my experience, this the simple that can, if you can, if the, the true experts can bring things down to really simple terms that, that. A 14-year-old can understand, and a 70-year-old or an elite athlete who really doesn't want to lift that day. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. came in, bumped and bruised, and that's not his favorite thing to do. So how do you, how do you speak to all those – communicate with all those people? So it's people – you know, it's the relationship and the learning. Both so those going to have to go go hand in hand.
0: Yeah, and that's well, – the simplicity is what we need to start with, basics mm-hmm. – Simplicity, it, it, we see that in every every drill or any the skill you're trying to achieve, whether it's playing piano, whether it's playing basketball, it's the basics. You have to understand the foundation first. And I think one of the things we see is everybody wants to advance so quickly yes. that they don't have the patience to establish a really good, solid base and yes. then they don't have, and they don't have the ability to come back and reestablish that base yes. when they need it. They yes. they just think that everything's got to keep going forward. Yes, but you have to be able to take a step back in order to take two steps forward. Yes,
1: yes, right? I think that with with and and I, I you know I've, I've coached and I failed to mention last year uh, I volunteered over at a local high school in their strength program. And so I started in high school and I, I'm back in high school uh, and everything in between. But you're right, I, that, that idea that master, becoming a master of the basics, it's, it's very obvious for an eighth grader who's never lifted the weights. Um, and if you attempt to put them in a, in a higher end program, the results aren't always you can watch it (laughs) (laughs) it's it's being able to and sound programs but not every programming idea is right for the population so and I find really um, how would I say you you take advanced programming for a certain segment of the population and you can adapt it and use it for another, another population that happens all the time but boy oh boy the foundation of that success is going to be, have, have they mastered the basic things before I go to a dynamic squat, for instance, can the young, can the boy squat, you know, does he, can, can he, <laughs> does he not do the movement? Um, and so we want to, we want, we're so in love with the X's and O's. We're so in love. And I am too. What's the, what's the next thing? Uh, what's the latest idea? And this is, you know, this stuff's high, te- it's high sciencey and it's good stuff. Um, when you take, when you take advanced programming and try to apply it to the person has to be ready to receive it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd rather fundamental movements and, and, and I, I'm going to, I borrowed the categories from Dan John. But when I look at my men, my mentors taught me the same, Dr. Ken Leisner taught me the same thing. You got to squat. You have to, he said, you have to, you have to squat, you have to deadlift, you have to press, you have to pull and carry heavy things. And Dan John calls it squat, you know, hinge, push, pull, um, loaded carry. Same, you know, my mentors were telling me, that, and that's, that's strength training. You know, look at it's the old timers. They, they, they hinged the hips under load, They squatted. They pushed and they pulled and they carried things or rotated and twisted. But let's get really good at those things. And the other thing that, I, that I, from my background, you know, I, I, at Penn State, we, we were a machine-based program you know, the oh, old, um, the, the high intensity training, uh, it's been called. And, um, you know, it started probably at West point with Dan Riley, but then he brought it to Penn state and Penn state was, you know, one of the top programs that was, that was all in. I mean, if you went in the weight room back in 80 and 80, um, in 86, 87, when I was there, it was, all, it was mostly not the old blue cam-driven Nautilus machines, chain-driven. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had those pieces now, vintage pieces. Uh, and we had a freeway area they later added in. But what I learned from my mentors back then was it's it's really not the tool. You know, there are a lot of, you know, you, it, it could be a, mach- a Nautilus machine at the time or now a hammer strength machine. Uh, it could be a sandbag, it can be a partner, a partner resisted exercise, manual resistance. We called it manual resistance, or a barbell. Um, there are a lot. If, if you have a source of resistance, okay, mm-hmm. a, 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 that that can be increased over time, that can provide an overload and then be increased over time. A stone. I have garden stones in my yard that I really acquired them to to lift with them, and I have different sizes. So depending on what I want to do, I can provide overload by sometimes I'll press this one and I'll go heavier and press this one and move up the chain or do carries. As long as it can be added to over time, it's going to provide a training stimulus. Mm -hmm. So I've never, and then it comes down to preference or your facility or what you're at, you know, what, what your athletes buy into. But I, I, I came from a background where it wasn't a tool. It was the movement you know, or how it was done. So, in essence, I, I'm back to that now. Let's mm-hmm. let's master the movement, and then find ways, creative ways to load it. And that's going to be different for different people. Um I've seen that even with elite athletes. Okay, barbell squat, great, great exercise. Well, what if I I had a DB at, at the Bengals that had uh, you mm-hmm. know a, a injured low back, spondy or something, but. Could not put a bar on his back. And this guy's a top uh, safety, a top level player, a starter. You know, he's one of our starters, one of our Mm -hmm. 11 on defense. Couldn't put a bar on his back. And it would have been deleterious to him. He would have been locked up the next day, chip my cap. And he he had hurt it during the barbell squat early in his career. Mm -hmm. So I'm not judging that, but okay, I'm sorry that happened, So now, what do we do? Well, he could do a kettlebell. You know, he could do a a goblet squat. We used to do a double kettlebell front squat, Sam. We would still squat him, but just not with a bar on his back. So, and he and he ended up lengthening, which we did a lot with the Bengals guys. Would lengthen, we'd lengthen their career by once again listening to the person. Uh, Let me let me see this individual. What what, here's the big program? I got to manage all these guys, but now I have this player who's got a specific need and it, I just can't plug him into this formula and he's a player for which he's important okay he's, he's important to us but they're all important right <laughs> they're all people okay now how do I make this how do I train this squat pattern when he's told me I, that will irritate my back and I can't do it and I really would prefer not to um so we just adjusted And, you know, or a leg, using a leg press, whatever. But so it's the modality, master the movement, become a master of that movement. And all the things that takes, whether it's the nervous system, you know, training the nervous system, tactile, proprioceptive, vestibular, whether it's mobility. Is it, you know, can I get enough dorsiflexion to squat effectively? Whatever it might be, do I have enough, have I done enough uh, patterning you know, have I done enough dumpy squats?
0: You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> it's just, I mean... Uh, five so is master enough. Yeah. <laughs> master the movement. And then and then add load creatively or to, with whatever you have available. You know? Mm-hmm. So that, I always, one of the things I pride myself on and over the years, because of my mentoring and, and because of that attitude, I've always, I tell people, you can plop me down... Anywhere you want, you know, just, or you can, Dan Riley used to say, he used to say in clinics, give me any equipment you want to give. Because he's always fighting. He was always, back then it was machines versus free weights. And it was, it was, it was, it was a a holy wars. It really was. Um, I mean, I was in the, I was in the the eye of that at Penn State, center of that storm. And uh, he'd always say, give me any equipment you want to give me. You can give me, give me all free weights and you can take or give me whatever you want, and you take whatever you want, and I'll get my guy stronger. He didn't care about what the modality was. He knew how to teach, how to communicate, and how to motivate. And he was going to get results. So that kind of inside-out approach, or what I'm not sure of the term, but basically I've got this goal in mind, how do I get there, independent of let's not follow – this template is good and I can use it, but let's be creative. Let's, let's move aside being married to a, a certain modality or a certain system of training. Um, because if there, was, if there was one best way, we would all be doing it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Absolutely. You look at the research and you can look at all the, you know, Dr. Matt Ray did a study and I might misquote it, but what I gathered, all these different styles of periodization. And in the end, they were all effective. And they all, they all, the main thing was the variety that they provided allowed for gain. So, as long as you all have a source of resistance that can provide overload and be progressively increased over time, and you're wise with your, your dosing, you'll, you'll get results uh, so, in your so do you situation. Th-
2: do you think that if, uh, if someone was just to use only machines for strength training and then just kept their mobility up, um, you think that would be pretty effective?
1: It's, it's going to be effective. For the basic, for tissue development, let's say, uh, for force production, yeah, I, I, we've done it. We've done it. We, you know, um, not that prof- if you look at, if you're measuring it, I never measured my program. I didn't. I was on wins and losses or success. Now, I was, as a professional, you are measured on wins and losses, but... We've had athletes, we, we had machine-based programs in a number of places I've been, and we were very, very successful. And when we played a team, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an 80s argument, but I'll say it again, because that would be new to, new to the listeners here, new to you guys. I just violated the fourth wall there. Um, when you see two teams play, you can't, we used to say, you can't say, well, this team, they do power cleans, and this team uses machines. You, you couldn't see that. By watching,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous thing. So, can I use? I, I guess I'd rephrase it and say, can I use machines effectively, even all machines, with an individual to get strong? Yes. Now I'm going to round that out with a lot of. Now I've learned my my the things I do to round that out are going to be a lot more substantial than they were back then. Back then we didn't do a lot of front and end stuff, mobility, and that wasn't in the eighties, that wasn't the big thing. Um, but now I would, I would, in fact, I would, I, I spend as much time now on some of the preparatory stuff, the nervous system and, and movement, um, getting into positions, um, as we did on the, on the loading stuff, on the weight room mm-hmm. stuff. So can, for my squat and hinge and push and pull connect machines, absolutely, absolutely and to say you can't now can someone say well i prefer a bubble great or i prefer a dumbbell you know there are advantages and disadvantages to every tool right Mm -hmm. every tool is going to provide advantages and disadvantages, right uh, things that are great about it things that are limiting about it but uh, that's part of the beauty of it you know Mm -hmm. you can do some things with the sandbag or get some 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 developmental qualities that you can't get with anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, Your the stick mobility part. There's things you can do with stick mobility that you can't get anywhere else. There's qualities mm-hmm. to develop. And there's also crossover. So it's it's a great time to be a professional because there are so many options out there, and that's part of that. That's part of the noise we just mm-hmm. talked about. Though mm-hmm. you have to be able to be aware of it, but then filter it out and come down to the basics and what's important. And, and and also also pick your tools. So I like, you know, machine training, it works. It's fine. Barbell training. I love barbell. I'm a big, you know, it's funny. I've been called a kettlebell guy. One of my athletes came from a, a major college. And when he, when I met him as a, as a rookie, he's like, yeah, my, my strength coach said, you're a kettlebell guy. <laughs> and I said, "Well, I, I said I don't. I, I said I don't know what that means, good <laughs> or bad. But you know, um, I said yes. I really like kettlebells. I have a set in my, I, you know, a full set in my basement that I use all the time. Uh, we had them in our facility, but we weren't a kettlebell. We we'd do the basic grinds with them. Um, it was another form of resistance." Yeah, You know, yeah. instead of a dumbbell row or a hammer row or a TRX row, it, was, it might have been a kettlebell row. So it just it just added variety. But um, we all have tools we like. And that's, I think, you know, as much as you can as a professional. And that's where listening to your clients, eventually they're going to find, they're going to move to things. Once you've taught them or exposed them, they're going to move to things that maybe they like or prefer or have a history with or have an opinion on or in the case of that defensive back with the low back issue there there things tools have been eliminated for him you know Mm -hmm. because of injury and history things were eliminated he the things he couldn't Mm -hmm. do and shouldn't do so he had to be creative so if you said to that person if you asked me that, that question well okay can i can i get stronger machines well If I could, if that weren't true, then that player wouldn't have, he wouldn't have played the three more years that he got with us because I wouldn't have been able to train him.
2: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: I I, I always wonder, and I wondered it then when I was young, because I've always been in rooms. now my rooms would have a blending of racks and barbells, plenty of barbells, plenty of racks, but also an area with some machines, um, dumbbells. You know, maybe some area for body weight work. You saw our facility. Maybe oh, now, yeah, yeah. Like oh, ideally, yeah. ideally a turf area where you can do some mobility. Mm-hmm. So there would be a great variety of tools. And I always, am, I'm concerned when I see a room that it, it's only racks. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I wonder, well, you know, week 10, when the guy's got a wrist or an elbow, you know, what are you, what are you doing? What's he going to do if he can't rip a bar, you know, grab a barbell? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I, you could do it and it gets done, but I always just as a setup. So I'm taking your question from the reverse. If all I had was one modality, I, I think that'd be really limiting for me. That'd be a really limiting way to do it because you're going to have individual part of the connecting with people is how can I help you? And let's hear, let's, if it's not this tool, let's try this instead. And oftentimes in the NFL, you had to be able to think on your, I had to be able to think on my feet. A guy walks in and I didn't know he comes in with a cast or I haven't seen a training yet, but my elbow's killing me. Well, okay, so bench press is out, but I don't want to lose him. I don't want him walking out. I, I want to keep, I want to get the training session. So let's, let's adjust. And becoming a master at that as a coach, which is from learning and spending time with people and, and having an open mind on modalities and Ideas on training, but starts with movement. Like you said, start Neil, start with the basic movements, and then blossom out from there. And different mo- have to do with different modalities. You know, I I, I have a joke. I used to have a, jo- a clinic joke that I would say we squat every day, and, our, and, our, and my teams they squat every day. And people, ah, and some would you know, others would laugh and not. What do you mean by that? that squatting pattern is, is, is fundamental. It's foundational. Yes. Now, is it a, is it a, is it a three RM barbell box? No, not every day, but it it might be going under a hurdle. It might be a goblet squat to pattern a movement. It might be a barbell back squat or a leg push. It might be the dumpy squat. I might just Hmm. want to hit that, hit that pattern and keep it, keep it, you know, amped up. But, Dan Gable said if it's important. Do it every day. So some of those fundamental movements, and there's the next challenge. Okay, well, how do, if these things are important? How do I if they're important to do every day? And we'd say, yeah, yeah, I should squat every day. It's a, I want to keep that movement. How do I do that? And that's well, part of the part of the journey.
0: What's well, interesting? is, So like when you said when you say that my players squat every day, you know right away. That the people listening in that room, their first thought went to what? Load, loaded yes. squats. That's yes. exactly where their brain went to, and, yes. and that is such an issue because when you tell people, "Hey, do this every day," that is the vast majority of coaches. They're like, "What yes. do you mean, externally loaded every day?" And you're like, "No, it's a movement no. pattern. Right. Like you have to be able to do it without external load. It's just something you Correct. do every day." Correct.
1: Correct. Part of that neural, part of getting good at the basics is, is re- repetition.
2: Right. Repetition.
1: Yes. Um, and I'll even take, I'll take a squat down to the ground. It might be uh, rocking, four-point yeah, rocking right. on hands and feet. Mm-hmm. If you look at that, take the camera and film someone doing a rocking, head up rocking on hands and feet, and then sh- and videotape it and that put it up. By, yeah. It's, it's a squatting. squatting.
2: You get some so, good general, uh, gentle ankle mobility and all that good absolutely, stuff, and it,
1: it opens things up. It yeah. neurologically it, it fires things up. Um, so there's great value. I, I, yeah, that was a good that was a good point, Dennis. I think, and maybe now it's taking me years to see it. And you're doing it. At a, you have that at a younger age, but it's that it's that open mindedness to to really see. There's a real beauty in movement. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a real and there's a real beauty in the in the training process and it's a it's a curious deep dive into uh, people relationships and motivation and teaching and understanding and moving someone from a to b um, that's where you want to that 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 essence that passion for that is where really if you have that um and I did, I didn't start with that. I my you know my initial passion was I liked lifting weights. My junior high school teacher here's a little here's a little story for you. My junior high school teacher was Mr. America, 1971. Mike Katz. Okay, oh. oh, if yeah. you've seen Pumping Iron, yes. Yeah. Wonderful man. Wonderful man. So I, imagine being a seventh and eighth you know seventh eighth ninth grade health class, 1976. Michael Whalen, junior high school. The Black Panthers school's closed now, but, um, he's uh, imagine walking in seventh grade and he's your teacher. And that yeah. was right when they, fact, they filmed, <laughs> they filmed pumping iron. They were filming that when I was in his class. In fact, one day they came, the crew came in and they did some filming of him in the classroom. It, it ended up on the cutting room floor, but I was, a, I was a, in that, I would have been in that movie and some of the scenes I, I I was privy to because he and I became friends. But so my initial passion was stirred from my cats. And I didn't I don't know, I never got beat up or it wasn't like I got sand kicked in my face. But wow, this guy here! Look at this! Look at this guy! And you you know I want to be like look at that! And he and but he with it with that big body. They're they're a successful bodybuilders, probably of nice guys. He was the gentlest a uh, gentlest man, very caring and I would say he had a he has a wisdom about him, so here he was, you know sixteen inch chess he was known for that, larger than like mr America, and yet he was the, the humble and caring and 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 nurtured us uh so yeah i w- i wanna i wanna do this, you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so it was a passion for lifting weights, but man, at some point, you got to get as a professional. You got to get beyond that. You know, you got to get beyond. Well, I like, you know, some guys get stuck. Well, I do it because I like I like deadlifting. Well, I like deadlifting too, but and I like kettlebells too. But I don't have that in all my program. I mean, you got to be able to put yourself aside. Um, because here's my statement. You know, you can say you got to be one of the qualities of a good coach would be to be other centered. Because really, it's not about you. Um yes. and, and a lot of, a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of, in, in our business because of the social media and the titles and all that. I think there's a lot of ego involved. Uh, um, yeah.
0: mm-hmm.
1: You got to move beyond yourself and, and be able to care about other people more. And mm-hmm. so to, pick, to go back to that machine barbell, I may like barbells, but, and I may think, uh, you know, that that's the only way to get strong, which is, it, I don't believe it is. And, but I've got to be able to move beyond if that guy doesn't use barbers, oh, he's, he's weak, he's soft, he doesn't train hard because he's doing a leg press. No, 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 you got to be able to move beyond that and say this, a leg press is at, for this, at this point in his career or in this day of the week. That's the best choice, or maybe his maybe lifting isn't his favorite thing, and maybe he doesn't like putting a bar on his back, and or maybe he had a bad story to tell from from college or something else. Can I? Is there another way I can load that externally? Load that squat pattern that will that will meet this meet this guy where his needs are and allow him to progress and feel successful at, you know. So. Um, I guess it's that that beauty of it of the process and it ex- ex- their explanation of movement. And you guys have that. That's part of my draw when I hear you both teach. It is is that a, just the understanding of movement and yet put in a language where I mean you can have movement teachers that are wonderful, but they're whoa, they're they're way over. I I, I don't get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, or you lost me,
1: you, you know, that might be good for some people. It's like the elite lifter, lifting coach. Okay. You lost me. Or that that's not going to work with, with my athletes. Um, so there's specialized pockets, but to be able to bring it to your, your people, the people in, that you're in charge of, or you that you're in the are to care for and put in a language where they can understand it. Um, that's the gift to work on. That's the that's the goal to work on. Um, the ability to teach and communicate can be developed. There's a there's a gifting to it, but wherever you're at, you can by repetition and by immersing in it, you can get you can get pretty good at it.
0: You know what I mean? I think what you said a little earlier, which re, what I really liked was when you were talking about the defensive back and how adjusting the squat gave him an extra longevity mm-hmm. to his career, and. I think that's a huge aspect that you and I have talked about that is missing because coaches yeah. players and coaches together aren't thinking about how do I pro help prolong this person's career? Because that's yes. really the, their availability, their ability to actually be on the field is, is number one.
1: Yes. I mean, that's the big yes. thing.
0: And I remember yes. as a kid watching Zach Thomas, uh, years ago, uh, in an interview, and he talked about, I wish I had understood the value of quality of movement at a younger age. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I remember him talking about how he was trying to message the past, that message on to the younger players on the yes. Dolphins as he got older and trying to yes. stress to them, look, you're getting beat up. You, you got to really focus on doing things that are going to help you continue In your career, and not actually be detrimental to your career. Yes, and I think that's that's probably
1: that that's part of the gift of of you know the 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 coaches that mentored me because it wasn't we weren't bound although maybe the time was we were bound to a Nautilus machine that was we were defending our position there, but it was really made evident early on that it doesn't matter what tool you're using you know it can be a a, a manual resistance upright row with a towel you know someone a, a partner providing resistance and it all worked and and it's it's how you do the movement how you the, the how you perform the exercise or the movement no matter what the external loading that, that's what counts most the movement quality mm-hmm. um and that that's part of our job as, as coaches uh, is to prevent is to present a a, a progressive Um, and regressive, uh, some progressive and regressive programming ideas with multiple, that'll be true across multiple modalities so that they can, no matter what the situation, time of year, stage of career, orthopedic, you know, insults or history, we can still perform a squat. Um, and paying attention to all the things that that get you to the point where you can perform a squat, all the preparatory work, all the you know, the patterning that goes on, the soft tissue, whatever it is you're into, all that getting them to better movement. So it's a really big. It's not just how much can you back squat or how much can you leg press. There's so much more. So the, the, the you know moving away from that's the problem if you have if you're program driven or X and O driven that way or married to a system. Cause there's not a lot of, there can be, you can be limited in the wiggle room in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some of those programs aren't written for, you know, other tools, or other modalities. So now you got an athlete that can't do, now what do I do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't, he's got a, a hand cast on. I used to keep it in, 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 in the Bengals facility. We kept a number of the old Nautilus isolation machines that didn't require any hand gripping yes so they had the pad oh. like a lateral raise or a 70 degree fly where the pads were in the l or a pullover we kept five or six of those just for our no hands workouts because inevitably oh, in, cool. in the spring or in the season we'd have somebody that have a, have a cast on for five weeks mm-hmm. and so no problem you know instead of a lat row oh hammer pullover instead of a bench press oh you know, tend, nautilus tend to be fly. Was it ideal? Eh, I, ideal is a relative term, but we we could train the upper body musculature, man, and, yeah, and the guy man. walks out of there, has so that That's oh yeah, it was great. Um, so so the reality of athletic competition and training for me, training teams was, you know, I'm not bound. To, I, I'm going to use it all, mm-hmm. and over time, you get to know. I get to know some of the players, what they liked and didn't like, and I'm not compromising anything, because I believe that all the tools work. Me just getting, you know, I've had players in my career, Hall of Fame players, one, one Hall of Fame player, long career, one of the greatest of all time, didn't like lifting weights, okay? Uh-huh. And, and, and in some of his history, didn't do a lot of lifting weights. He run a lot, hills and track workouts. And so when I got there to the team, um, I'm going to keep it generic, but um, yeah, of course. I just said, you know, we, ha- there's, we have a program in place and everybody's involved and everybody's going to train. And here's the, and here's the times, um, you know, I respect you all you've accomplished. And, you know, he was, he was in his last, you know, his last year. And I said, but I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to exp- the expectation is you'll train like everybody else. You'll come in on a time and, and we'll train. Well, and so he agreed and 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 his workout was maybe three or four things you know and two of them were a pull up and a bodyweight dip but he but he came in consistently and he made progress it was you know an overhead press a, a row a pull you know a, a dip and a pull up might have been something very limited or an amazing shoulder and neck just to take care of okay he was defensive back, he was a defensive back um, so I, I individualized it for him, respected him, but also there's a standard here and an accountability here that I, I need you and I'm going to ask you to respectfully to be a part of this program. And we'll work and we'll communicate. And, you know, I know it's, you know, you're you're this many years in and you've not done a lot of it in the past, but, and, and he did. And it was, and at the end he, he told me, uh, it was a great moment because he, he told me, he said, Chip, he said, I've I've done more training, you know, more weight room, more lifting with you in the past year than I did really the previous, you know, 10 years. Um, so I took that as a, and he smiled when he said it. So I, I took it as a, as a great compliment, just in the ability to communicate and mutually have respect and, and find out, you know, you know, for him, it wasn't. Oh, we got to, we got to back squat yeah. or we got to do this or, you know, it was, here's what we need to do for your, for your position and where you are in your career. Here are your needs. Here's where you are mentally, you know, your, 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 your desire to do it is very low and your history is low, but let's keep you going.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, let the strength train, you need to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, So it's just, you know, it's, it's taking all that stuff and, you know, all the interaction and all the knowledge and all the open-mindedness and being able then to go to that person and communicate and working it out, you know? So you have a big global team setting, but then you also have individuals. You're dealing with individuals with, with likes and dislikes and opinions and fears and biases Mm -hmm. and, 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 and history and limitations and then you have to deal with the expectations of a coaching staff. They may want numbers. So, yeah, okay, we can do that. We can get numbers. Um, all that, that's all part of the team sport.
0: It's been a part of my career is, is communicating on all those levels. So. I think um, one of the biggest things that uh, surprised me, especially going out and to, to the facility in Cincinnati, was, and I know Neil talked about it, the difference in the superiority of the professional athlete versus the general population. I mean, mm-hmm. just the physical difference. The yes. natural, God-given, just it. that yes. Very few of us have.
2: Yeah, I yes. remember when, when we were there, Chip, um, there was a wide receiver. I think he just came off an ACL injury you know he was mm-hmm. rehabbing and he was he was running routes and you know the amount of force that he put in the ground like oh, yeah. I think we were turned around and all of a sudden i hear this boom hear this explosion yes. in the ground and i turn around and see this guy you know cutting 90 degrees
1: at full speed i'm like oh my gosh it's yes. insane yes it's uh yes those you know in the nfl those, those are the elite. they're the best in the world what they do. Um, and so you know, you have all these you know, youth football through the years. It gets titrated out and sifted, It's only the, the very best. And even you know, every year there's there's 90 players in an NFL training camp, and they're going to keep like 53 mm-hmm. plus some practice squad guys. So even at, even when they get there, and it's a day it's a weekly you know challenge. to to stay there but the the physical gifts and it's the physical you're right the the forces the the collisions when you listen when you're on an NFL sideline I I still I never lost that amazement of watching a game and thinking oh my you know oh my god sometimes you're like oh my gosh (laughs) you know I mean and there's a reason why I I'm standing here (laughs) you know (laughs) you know um, yeah, our
2: bodies would explode on impact it, there.
1: Literally, you, you wonder, <laughs> that's like a nightmare of mine that one day <laughs> I had to suit up and play the game. I'm like, hey! you, know, was, you know, I don't want to do this. But um, the, the physical gifting, but it's also for those guys and for any, any elite in any, in any walk of life, whether it's the neurosurgeon at Hopkins University, Johns Hopkins, there are other qualities that set them apart. It might be the ability of of focus, a a, a singular focus. It might be the ability to deal with adversity. It might be the the ability to overcome fear uh, or to learn or to reason. I mean, there's all kinds of, in the NFL, durability. We've had phenomenal athletes, but their bodies weren't durable. And one of the training issues, their bones and ligaments and tendons, they just weren't built heavy enough to withstand the pounding and I've seen careers ended that way. So there are so many to get, to be elite in anything. There are so many qualities and not the least of which are the, the mental, the mental makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, so many, but phys- certainly physical is part of that. So, you know, the old ad, you know, the one of the knocks on professional strength coaches, well, they'll, they don't have to train those guys hard because they're already, they're gifted Yeah, but we have to, the job is then managing that and being able to train them to withstand that hot, they're all the NFL, they're all high level guys. And it's really almost a bigger job to keep that, keep that, you know, that engine idling with all all the wear and tear and abuse and, and stress that it takes there's a real art to that, to, to coach. And it goes way beyond at that level. What can a guy squat yeah. or, you know what I mean? Or yeah. did he, did he use a barbell or a machine? You know, that's, that's not going to matter on Sunday. It's I'm going to, you know, I keep going back to the modality because I want to get, go back to your mission statement of the movement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. We want to train the squat that's a fundamental pattern. Maybe on a Monday, it might not be. I'm programming for a barbell back squat, but it might be today, might be a leg press for this guy, because that's the best choice for him. Um, And it's still a squat pattern. Different, different, different external load, different adaptation, but I can still train the hips and quads and all that that I want to do effectively. Um, So, yeah, the gifting is, is amazing, but where there's great gifts, there's much more is expected. Of the coach, you know what I yeah. mean? With this great gifting, you know, the old Batman thing, or who much is, you know, too much is given. There's much more expected. Is that mm-hmm. Batman? Does Batman say that? I don't know.
0: But, uh. Dennis. Uh, so, yeah. uh, well, great Batman. responsibility. With great power yes. comes great responsibility. That's yes, Spider-Man. Yes. That's Spider-Man. Yes.
1: yes. Yes. So with great gifting of your athletes, there's great responsibility on the part of the coach. Um. So to answer your question, yeah, the physical, amazing, amazing, amazing. And in my case, amazing man. That's what, that's what they were, um, but all unique and all had needs and all, they all had to be communicated with individually, some more than others. Um, but I had to be able to connect, you know, talk this guy off the ledge, just keep this guy from doing too much. Cause he loved, you know, the, those guys that love it, like the Zach, you know, the Zach Thomas hey, this might, let's add this in your program. This might help you. Or can I make a suggestion? Mm-hmm. Um, it's all the responsibility to manage all that. And that, that comes back to the young professional on your journey to learn, gain, you know, gaining insight, reading books, reading books, um, conversing, learning, communicating, and then applying it and through repetition, trying things and trying systems and all the various systems out there, give it a go. You know, oftentimes, uh, you know, with, with different systems, I'll try to myself. Like I'll follow it and see mm-hmm. how's, how's it, what does it feel like? Um, and then you over time, as, as, that, as your toolbox expands, you keep the good. You keep things that work and you see what works, and you add, and you're always adding and maybe deleting away, and that's what Dan John does so beautifully he He adds, but he also you adds you're going to delete, and some things change, and some things fall away. Or, or I, I didn't know this yet I, there I, I, I have things I learn now in workshops. Wow, I didn't know that. I'd have to change my thought process on that mm-hmm. because now I have information I, I reserve I reserve the right to change my programming. Based on what I learned, can I've learned something new? So that, that's the beauty of it, right? That's the excitement. That's the, for what we do, that's, that there's where the passion lies, that journey,
0: right? Yeah. Cause you, you should see evolutionary changes in the way you yes. train. If you're yes. training the if you record yourself training in year one and you're doing the same exact thing in year 10, then mm-hmm. there the is just showing. There's just lack of growth. Yes, because something should have changed. It doesn't have to be huge. It right. can be very subtle, but there needs to be some type of evolutionary change. Yes,
1: yes, and and don't and, and have the courage to step into that. You know what exactly. I mean? Yes, yes. Have the courage to step into that. Yeah. Um, so you like? I, I learned. You know, one set to failure on, on a machine. I, that's that's why I, was, I cut my teeth on some of that. But um, over, but the principles of how to perform a, a good repetition, a properly performed rep, I hold on to that. And some of the some of the coaching techniques and the one on one motivation and all that, I've, I've held on to that. Do, did I have a room full of Nautilus machines? And since no, I didn't. You know, we had. You know, it's, but so you're always. Growing? Do I do I train that way now? No, I don't. Is it a is it a useful way to train? Absolutely. Does it work? Yep. Can you get New York? Neil asked. Can you get stronger machines? Yep. Yep. I've done it. (laughs) I've seen it. You know, I've won championships with it. Um, World championships. So, Mm -hmm. um, not that's the the measure of it, but certainly, uh, it's effective.
0: Yes. It's how you use it, right? So. You had discussed with me the role of uh, the strength and conditioning coach in the continuity of the whole coaching staff. Yeah, uh, can you explain to the listeners what you what you mean by that? What how other coaches interact with you in regards mm-hmm. to input from the uh, information on the players and things like that?
1: Yeah, I think you know. When I don't, I don't first of all, I don't want to be, you know, the, the risk of saying that I've, you know, when you look at my experience, the risk is, well, he's an old, you know, he's an old timer. He doesn't, you know, it's different now and all that. Um, you know, I've, I've coached high, I coached high school kids last year. I'm as relevant as anybody. (laughs) You know what I mean? I coached, if you can coach a 14 year old high school boy, uh, believe me, you you, you can coach anybody. (laughs) But that said, (laughs) that, that said, um, You know, I I entered in the profession at at a time where the strength coach was literally the bottom, the bottom of the totem pole of the coaching totem pole, Mm. Um, because the early strength coaches they just got the biggest, strongest guy. You know, in the '80s, who's going to run our? We we need a weight coach. Who are we going to get? Well, let's get the biggest, strongest guy. Or that guy looks like he knows how to lift weights. Let's hire him. That's literally how guys, some of the guys, got into it. Um, There are still big guys getting hired today. We know that. But um, my point being. You know, we were down in the weight room, and the less you were heard from, the better. Uh, and that's grown. The, the importance, the significance of the strength coach has grown to where now you have strength coaches that are associated athletic directors. And they're the number one guy after the head coach. Um, I, I'd say in, in both cases, whether it was just in the weight room and the daily interactions, or now where, they, where strength coaches are now more front and center – your, your, your big responsibility is is player life, making player life better, player life, you know, Mm -hmm. drawing out the best from, from your people. Um, so there's, there's, you know, legit, there's, there's the coaching aspect, there's the logistics of scheduling and all that. Um, there's the nutrition part. You might be in charge of it. You might be overseeing it. You might be like I was, putting smoothies in lockers after practice or setting out snacks before practice. Um, There's return to play scenarios where you're coming along alongside the medical staff. And at some point you the athlete transitions from the medical side to the ATC and therapist to you to get back on the field. Um, For me, there was even the face side where I I had the, you know, I was involved with, you know, organizing on the road, at least facilitating team chapels. You know, we had a chapel leader on the face side of things that he'd make the arrangements for the speaker. But on the road, I had to go, you know, he didn't travel. So we would have guest speakers. So I'd have to go at the hotel and meet with the speaker and set him up and get him going and present him to the group. And so it's player life. You're involved in all of that. Um so that, and I've, for me, that's grown anyway you know, in Cincinnati, the, the good news, the blessing of, we had a smaller staff, so to speak. So more was expected. I had to do more. Um, plus I have a, I have a healthy dose or more than a healthy dose of if I want this done, right. I gonna do it myself. There's a little bit of that. Uh, I'll confess it. But, uh, you know, I was involved in everything. Uh, and, and every job, is gonna, every position is gonna have, will have different requirements. You know, every place I've been, there's been a different role for the strength coach within the staff and within the organization. So in Cincinnati, we did a lot. We did a lot of stuff in all those areas I just talked about. Um, other places at Carolina, I was, uh, you know, when I started my first head strength coaching job, I was in charge of the weight room and all that programming and I oversaw the the nutrition the menus and all that, but I was really as much administrative, you know, breaking meetings, taking attendance at meetings, you know, I was with the head coach, kind of setting schedules and and enforcing those schedules. So every place I've been has been a little bit different, Um, but within the staff, you know, what I've learned. Because when you're young and you think you have a lot of answers, and certainly I thought I had, you know, you, don't, you just don't know, so you think you know. Um, so when you're young, you know, you're you're probably more, comp, you know, n- beyond confidence, a little bit more like I'm the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't really work with people for the most part. You know, you'll be, you know, you're either arrogant or you're a jerk or whatever, hard to get along with. And what I've come to appreciate is that the term esprit de corps, esprit de corps is, you know, getting, getting along and complimenting each other and co- collaborating with each other. So within a staff, for the most part, you're providing the coaches with information on the players, how they're doing, how they, what's, what, how they're well, what's their well-being, how are they performing, uh, are there any struggles going on? How are they developing? You know, you're the you're the conduit, you're the voice between the, the, the players and the coaching staff, or the other way, amplifying a message from the staff from the head. You know, carrying the banner. Here's the message, the head coach. Here's the vision. Now I've got to amplify that to all these athletes. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's it's a heavy dose of communication. Um, I'd say now a heavy dose of humility and and knowing your rightful place um, and what you can contribute, and then allowing others whose gifts you might be different, allowing them to speak into you and to and to carry that message on or even implement it. Um, you know what's the vision for the group? what's the vision for the team? and like now if i this next the next job I get, one of my questions will be sitting with the head coach and you know what is your vision for these for your team what do you want these players to be is it I want them to be physical or I want them to be you know mentally tough? it might be something a coach speak term but what is what does that coach want and then how do I set about delivering that you know it might be well I, I think all my athletes should be able to you know, bench press X amount of weight. That's always been a standard. Okay, and 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 try to educate and get it get to the bottom of. Well, tell me more about that and why. And are you open to alternatives? Or uh, I had a coach, one of my NFL coaches. He wanted his guys to be in shape. All you know, he just he didn't care about lifting weights. He just wanted to be in shape. And he had a test that he used to do. It was like a two mile run, whatever. Te- or, um, you know, one of those distance runs. And so I, we eventually got to the point where so I knew he wanted fitness. I knew that was important to him, fitness. That's how I, he was going to measure me on how fit the players were. But within that, he had a running test that he used for years. This was a successful coach. Well, we, were, we ended up, I ended up being able to morph it where it could be done on a treadmill test with a heart rate monitor. So I took his idea, and it was a little longer than I, it was a 12-minute run, which is longer than I would have liked, but it kind of bridged the gap. But we were able to monitor heart rates and have the trainer there and have this, you know, it was a, a little more sound testing environment than going out in a hot day and running on a track or running on the field in a big test environment. And so we were able to kind of, I, was, I asked him the question and got his vision was able to kind of communicate and morph it. So it's, that's, being able to listen to people and communicate and with the staff. Um, I've been around really good coaches. I've been around coaches that had held beliefs on training that I didn't share. Um, that maybe they had from their playing days. Because everybody brings their history to the table. Oh, you know, they yes. all we all know, even mm-hmm. I we all do. We all yep. what I what I was exposed to, what I like, what I don't like. Um, so I'm like you have to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And now So your athletes and your coaches, they bring opinion and history, but you also bring experience and knowledge and and you're responsible. Now, can we get that together, communicate for everybody? Now we all get better. You know what I mean? You Mm -hmm. respect and honor that. There might be a, yeah, but, or have you considered this? Or begging your pardon, have you thought about this? Which I've used all those things. Um, Mm With my head coaches, uh, and you come up with a a, 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 a solution that's am- amenable to everybody. It's like that athlete, that long, that Hall of Fame DB. I don't I don't lift weights. Well, uh, that was his first thing. I don't I do lift. I mean, why are you Chip in I don't I don't lift weights. <laughs> yes, yes you do. With all due respect, we're going to find. I just I can't I can't let you I can't
0: yeah
1: I can't give you that favor or now you're doing something that no one else everybody else is doing this and you're it's not right to these guys so can we find a solution and, and then you work on that um so that's that's the esprit de corps the give and take the where I fit in the organization is is being able to communicate and bring you bring bring you to the table. Bring magnificent me to the table, but then also realize, you know. Let me back up to this. If I were to tell you, would you listen to? If I had, if I told you there was a, it was a prayer, but it was a thought or a prayer from one of the greatest military geopolitical leaders in the history of man, ancient ancient times, but in the history of man, notable warrior, um, husband not without limitation, okay? He made mistakes, many of them, uh, but was later called a man after God's own heart. Would you listen to some a, 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 a bit of wisdom from that person? I'm asking, would you? Oh, of, course. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, that person was King David from the Old Testament, King David. Mm-hmm. And he said in the Psalms, it was a prayer, and he said, I am uniquely and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, this I know full well. So I've taken that that that's kind of one of my memory verse or one of my affirmations. That is true about me. Dennis, that's true about you. Neil, that's true about you. Listeners, that's true about you. You're all Dennis, you are uniquely and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And so if we start with that in our relationships and and certainly in our coaching relationships, if I start with that, that this athlete, he might be a handful, but boy, he's, he's unique and he's, and he's remarkably made. If I keep that in mind, do you think that'll impact how I interact with that person? Of course it will. Of course it will. So I, I try to start that, you know, I start there. I try to keep that in mind, the back of my mind, because it's true about me and it's it's an affirmation, but it's also true about you and it's true about everybody you meet. So I keep that in the back of my mind and then my coaching philosophy would, would move into, and it's also Old Testament, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. Okay, Neil, the purposes of your heart, there's deep waters in you. But a person of a coach, let's say, of great insight, will draw that out. So, you're unique and wonderful, Neil, and your deep waters. And now, if I am being wise, if I'm communicating, if I'm if we have built relationship, I'm going to draw that out. I'm going to draw that the best out of you. So, those are kind of my two. Those are two of my, you know, my anchor or bedrock foundational statements that, that that now influence all my interactions, you know? So if someone comes in, they're having a bad day, and they don't want to train, you know, grumpy attitude, whatever, or maybe I'm that way. <laughs> There's days that I'm that way. But then I got to remember in this moment that that person – he's unique he's unique and he's remarkable there's only one of them in the whole wide world so let me start there you know, he's not a pain in the butt he's unique and he's remarkable you know so if you start there on things and then layer on top of that what you learned and all that the, the communication and, the, and where you fit in the staff and how you motivate and how you interact and how you coach that really makes it fuller you know what I mean it becomes this a uh, wonderful and 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 uh, remarkable progress you know process so
0: yeah i think you well that was great to see off that last dance documentary and i think that's one of the things that set phil jackson aside yes. from all the other coaches that you saw was his ability to understand that about each individual player and not give him yes. special treatment but he yes. knew how to approach each player specific to that player
1: yes. and that's
0: and that's why he's and that it's the same knock on him that a lot of people say well he had michael jordan he had kobe Bryant, yes. he had all these players how could he not win but once again right. it's managing those yes. personalities yes and getting the most out of those people and bringing those individuals together as a team because a lot yes. of other coaches could not have done what he did Correct. with the same players. Correct. Right? I mean, did, yeah. you, did you, have you watched that series? Yeah, Those well, guys, I mean, they're,
1: they're, they're fan- high-end high end men, like in all ways, and mm. way, all way different. You're right. So if you're like, ah, uh, I'm going to find this guy, and he's got to do it this way, or it's my way or the highway. Okay, you're going <laughs> to, okay, now you're going to lose a great play. You know what, you know what yeah. I mean? You can, there's, you're right, managing people. Mm-hmm. Every one of those guys, and that you know, once again, unique and wonderful. Now, how do I, how do I honor that, and how do I approach that person?
0: Very true. And
1: I would Very add on to that in the in, in in the case you know, discipline with grace. You know, that's a, that's a that's one of the, you know that's a, one of the tenets of my son's former high school, discipline with grace, and that's stuck with me, Um knowing that individual, you know, you have to, you have a standard and knowing that individual though is unique mm-hmm. and, and what's going on and all that. So yeah, Phil Jackson, that's an amazing study it, watching that. I, I loved watching because it had the behind the scenes stuff,
0: mm-hmm. you know, it has yes. the,
1: the real, you know, the interactions. I, I loved that part, that part of it. Um, and it was, a, it was fun to watch him, man. You know, cause I've, I've coached guys like that, you know, I've seen guys like that. I've, I've been around guys that were a handful, um, Mm -hmm. guys that, you know, they, I've, I've been around some of the best, Mm -hmm. you know, Michael Jordan is the, is arguably the best in, in, in basketball. I've been around some that were arguably the best in, in football. Um, and they're special. They were special men Our special men. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and did I ha- did you, did you handle them a little bit? There? You know, you got to – now we got to communicate. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you, know what yeah I mean? you have to. Or else you're going to lose You have him. to. Yes. Oh. And once you've lost them, it's hard to get them back. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So. so. Well, thank you, Coach. We really appreciate this. Uh, like yes. I said on the phone early yesterday, this is going to be a first of – Having you on,
2: quite a bit. yeah, we'll have uh, to do like a little last dance series here.
0: Yeah, so. <laughs> that'd be funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and so for the listeners out there, really, I hope you got out of this the 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 depths and the layers of of if you're looking to become a strength and conditioning coach or just a just a coach in general. The, Understanding the, the layers that are involved and not it's not mm-hmm. just about the X's and the O's. Yeah. It's, it, there's so much more to that. Most people can learn about the X's and the O's. You give them yes. numbers, you show them empirical data, they go, okay, I get that. But now there's the ability to deliver the X's and O's so that mm-hmm. the clients, the athletes, they want to know – they they are they they need to feel your genuine authenticity your care yes. your passion yes. they have to feel that because yes. everybody can everybody can smell a bullshitter i mean basically mm-hmm. i mean we we know that we we know when somebody doesn't have could really give two craps about you know you or what you're doing so you have to be able to bring that that genuine care and that passion because when you have that passion people are going to jump on board a lot more
1: Yes. Yes. It's, you know, that old adage, it's, it's a people business it, it's so it's become more and more apparent to me. Just, there are a lot of systems that'll work a lot of ways to train to get a result, but it's, it's really the people. And like, as just to echo, you said, everybody, people want to know you care. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to know that you care uh, and that you, you'll make them better. You, you, you want what's best for them. And if you can step into that, and be you know, first of all, see it, um, and step into it, step toward it, and grow together. That, that's when that's when championships are won.
0: Very now, true.
1: Phil Jackson did all those uber talented guys, but he brought them together as a group, as a team, by individually caring for each one, giving them what they needed, and the, the result were, were six championships yeah so true.
2: thank you for your insights and your wisdom and yeah well, i always enjoy talking to you
1: yes it's it's fun it's it's like i said this during this time there's been a lot of webinars out there and i've and i've seen a lot of x's and o's and that's good there's value in that but um like we talked about the other day just sometimes it's nice to have a conversation
2: in this case, yes. to have a
1: conversation that, that people can listen, listen in on it and choose to maybe get a nugget or shake their head and say, yeah, it makes sense or make them think a little bit, um, bring it back to the human side of it, right? So,
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again, yeah. Coach. And then uh, to all the listeners out there, thanks for listening. And until our next podcast, be good to each other. Peace. Yes.